Let me say, as we said a few weeks ago on Mother's Day, happy Father's Day. Um, dads, it is a gift to have you here. And uh, we also know, as with any type of celebration like this, there's a lot of joy, and there's probably a handful of people in here who there's a lot of pain on a day like this. So we say you are in our hearts, you in our prayers, and uh, with all that said, let me pray. Jesus, as we um, look at how you have made us, and we think about that in how we go out and live you out in the world around us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would give clarity. God, I pray that we would be known as a community that, uh, that truly is bringing heaven to earth. That in all the different places we do life, there is a glimpse that there's a good and loving God. And we can maybe see how things will end up one day. So God, I pray that you would uh, give us the ability to not just hear, but out of the grace of hearing and receiving what you have done for us, that we would be people who live it out. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Let me recap where we've been and give a little uh, uh, plug to a couple of things. In your bulletin is a little handout, and this time the handout has all the information on the series that we've been going through. If you did not get one of these and want one, seriously, stand up, go to the back of the room. It's totally fine. Um, if you don't want to go to the back of the room, steal the person's next to you. It's okay at this point. But uh, we, we want to take this series very seriously. And a lot of it has been based out of a book that comes out of Rick Warren's church, Saddleback out in California. It's called Shape. And we have looked at this acrostic that uh, Shape stands for our spiritual gifts, our, uh, our heart, our passions, what we care about, our, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences. And we're trying to take all that together and say, what does it look like for people like us to go out and uh, be the change in the world around us? So let me give you a recap of the series. Week one, we looked at Ephesians 2, and we looked at this idea that we are created as masterpieces. And the brilliant beauty of that passage that we have to start a series like this on, it starts by saying that we are saved by grace, not by works. That God is the one that moves towards us, that comes to us, and because of his life and his saving death and his resurrection, he is the one who wants to save us. Can I get an amen? And that's what we're about. That's what we gather around. That's the thing that on the inside allows us to live out faithfully as followers of Jesus Christ. And we are created as we sort of follow Jesus Christ, put our faith in Jesus Christ, we begin to understand God renews us, makes us new is what Corinthians says. It's the masterpiece that God created you to be and myself to be that we begin to understand how we are shaped, how God has made us to be him to the world around us. And so here's what we've talked about. We've talked about spiritual gifts that God has given each one in this room. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, God has given you certain spiritual abilities that are specifically for serving the other people in this room. God has given you different gifts so that you can do the one anothering that Scripture talks about in the New Testament. That God has given you a heart. That each person in this room, your heart, and sometimes we have things in common, but your heart beats for a certain thing, a certain cause, a certain people group, something that's broken in the world. God has placed that 
desire in your heart to see something happen. And you have innate abilities. Everybody in this room has abilities. And part of it is getting touch, in touch with what they are. If you are not good at numbers, don't be an accountant. It's the practical reality of just saying, what am I actually, not, not to, what do I want to be good at, but what are you good at? We need the best version of you, not the best version of what you think you should be. You have a personality hardwired into you for a reason. This might be one of the most important things for us to talk about. Your personality is just what God intended it to be. Introverts, stop trying to be extroverts, amen? And vice versa. God gave you a certain personality for a reason. And the last piece of the shape acrostic is this. You have painful and positive experiences in your past that have happened for a reason. And God wants to take those combined with all the other things we talked about and wants you to be exactly who he made you to be in this local community, in the city, in the world around us. This series sort of hit me. I was reading an article by Tom Rainer. Tom Rainer is one of the leading researchers around church trends and what's going on in the church. And he wrote an article about declining churches. And by the way, I'm not saying Crossview is declining church, but he wrote an article about declining churches. And there was a statement in there I think we should take note of. And it's this, stated simply, the most common factor in declining churches is an inward focus. Stated simply, the most common factor about declining churches is an inward focus. And what that simply means is the posture of what church is about becomes what can church do for me? What can I get out of it? How can it make me happy? And there's parts to that that are true. Like churches want, we, we want to serve and we want to, do, we want to do that for you. But the posture of how we approach church is so important. Is it about what's for me or is it about what I give away? And those are very different ways to approach the church. And by the way, the church is the thing that Jesus died for. We don't build the church. Jesus is building the church. The posture is very different. And that's one of those things we need to hear again and again and again. Because here's what the church is. My, my little defini definition of the church is this. The church is the community of people who exist for the glory of God. And the glory of God is this. The glory of God is not just raising our hands during a song. Although that is for sure part of it. The glory of God is when we are living fully how God made us to be. When we are living fully how God made us to be, then we are reflecting who we are back to God. That is giving glory to God. So it's the community of people who exist for the glory of God by making disciples. Disciples just means we point everybody towards Jesus Christ. Anything that happens in this church or through this church that does not point, thing, point people towards Jesus Christ should not exist. It's the community of people who exist for the glory of God by making disciples who go out and change the world. Not narcissistic disciples who are just about making us happy, becoming sort of feeling good with how we are. We are disciples of Jesus Christ who exist for the sake of the world. Can I get an amen? That's the church you want to be, Right? That's the church crossview is becoming. And we'll always be on the journey of becoming that. So what I want to do this morning is a little different. I want to read a number of different texts. Because I think 
It's important for us to understand again and again and again the redemptive movement that Scripture has. That starting at the garden to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12 and then again and again and again and again, there is this movement in Scripture that is outward. There's this movement in Scripture that is outward. It's the God who comes down and dwells among us. It's the God who came down and dwelt with Adam and Eve in the garden. The movement is always towards something. And that's the reason we do this series, is to say, how are you made so that we can move towards places of brokenness and hurt, in our own brokenness and hurt, to see God's redemption happen? So we're going to read a number of different texts. The first one is this. Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37. They'll be on the screen. If you have a Bible, please feel free to open it as well. Luke 10, 25 to 37. We're mainly going to be in the Gospels here. It says this. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him the question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answers this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. We've talked about it before, but that was the pinnacle commandment of the Old Testament. It was the Shema. It was like their statement of faith. You don't mess with the Shema. If we took John 3.16 and said, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, votes Republican, goes to church, 90% of the... If I started adding things to it, what would you do? Walk out, stone me, a lot of different options there. Go with whatever feels right. We don't do that. The same thing with the Shema. You don't add to the Shema. The Shema was it. And look at the response. Love the Lord your God. And then one little verse from Leviticus, most of your favorite book in the Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. Not just love God anymore. There's an outward movement, love others. Right, Jesus told him, do this, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Follow-up question. Who's my neighbor? Make sure it's comfortable. I don't want this to be an uncomfortable interaction. I'm, I'm good with loving my neighbor if it's the person next door who looks just like me, right? So here's Jesus' response. Jesus replied with a story, which, by the way, is a good learning for a lot of us. Often we like to reply with preaching and teaching and telling others what to do. Jesus replies with a story, and here it is. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half, half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Uh, if you've heard this passage preached, I'm not going to dwell on it big time, but that, that's what he was supposed to do. If you're a priest, you didn't touch the unclean, so he was obeying the letter of the law. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but also passed by on the other side. Then... A despised Samaritan. Isn't scripture beautiful? Not just a Samaritan. A despised Samaritan. I mean, this is like Packer fans and Viking fans hanging out together. It does not happen until the kingdom of God has come in its fullness. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt, say it, compassion. He felt compassion on him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher, I've got it. When I come back, I'm paying for it. 
Now, which of these three would you say was the neighbor of the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then here's the response. Go and do likewise. The movement of scripture is always an outward movement, a movement bringing redemption and hope. And often it's to places that we don't feel comfortable going into. Go and do the same. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38 says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. Another, underline it in your Bible, announcing the good news that this King Jesus that was coming in and the reign of God that was coming through his life and death and resurrection, it's good news. He healed every kind of disease and illness. Different type, type of king. Doesn't just sit in the palace and make orders. When we saw the crowds, he had... Compassion. He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He told the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. It's an outward moving. Something's broken. Something's in need of help. And the story of God, the way of Jesus is there's always movement towards things that aren't right. And if you've experienced God's grace through Jesus Christ, you know that that's you as well. Not was you, but you're still in that place. You're still learning about this thing called grace. John 20, 19 to 23. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. This is right after Jesus has died. The disciples are sitting there in the upper room thinking, our king is dead. A good king sure isn't any good to us, right? And they were following the one who was revolting. So they're now in the upper room thinking, what do we do? Because if we leave the room, they're killing us because we were with the king they just killed. We all would have been in the upper room with the disciples. Suddenly Jesus was standing among them and says this, peace be with you. Irene, related to the Hebrew word shalom. This is the all-encompassing peace of God when things are that's what Jesus comes into that room and says to them, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and side. Do you ever read scripture and just imagine what it would be to be there at that moment? Not only does Jesus enter in and say peace, but he's like, yeah, this is what happened. The movement, the redemptive movement often involves pain and suffering and death. That's the God we talk about, and that's the God we see in Scripture. And they were filled with joy. Isn't that funny? From fear to Jesus walking in the room to filled with joy, and he says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. One of the best things you, we can do is say, what does it look like to take how God has wired and shaped me and go out and be the church? The way we get at it is, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We are called to be sent to every corner of how we do life, exactly how Jesus was sent. From the moment of the incarnation where God divine enters down into humanity, that's how we enter into, into spaces. We go in. We set up camp. We get to know people. We eat with people. 
We talk about the kingdom of God. We talk about the good news that is Jesus Christ. And then lastly, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. We looked at this a few weeks ago on Easter. When the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Isn't this, I love, I, there, there's a part of me that is this, there's a, a bit of a doubter in me. I'm always sort of looking at the different questions, struggling with, with different truths about the Christian story. And Jesus, after he's died and risen again and about ready to give the Great Commission, he's about ready to say to this group of people, you are going to start the church. You are going to be the little group that starts this movement that will last until I come back again. And we sit in it 2,000 years later. And Jesus says to the ones who fall down in worship and to the ones who are doubting, he says this. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of who? All nations. We believe at the core of our existence that the good news that is Jesus Christ is for all of humanity. Amen? We believe that a life with Jesus Christ is the only thing that can truly change a heart. And Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations. We'll break that down in a second when we look at Acts chapter 1. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm sending you on the mission that will change the world, but it's going to be hard. Some of you are going to die. It's going to be challenging. You're going to want to give up. The doubts are going to creep in time and time again. And the promise is this. I'm with you. It's the same promise every time we leave this room and we go out to be the church. God is with us. The goal of this series is just that. It's these texts. That we would figure out who we are, how God has shaped each one of us. There's not a person in this room that is a mistake, that's insignificant. God made you for a purpose. I don't care if you're four or 84. And God wants you, the true you, being redeemed by his grace to make a difference in the world around you. There are a couple of phrases in this book that I, that I like, that I, that I hope will, will stick with you. One is this. The part of the process is that you need to unlock how God has shaped you. Like, figure out who you are. If you're anything like me, I don't love doing that sort of introspective, figuring out all my stuff, because often something comes up that I'm uncomfortable with and I've got to deal with, right? Maybe none of you are like that. It's just me. I'm the only one with, with any issues in this room. <laughs> but unlock your shape. Figure out who you are, the masterpiece that God intends you to be. But don't stop there, because if we stop there, we just produce a new form of narcissism. Then you unleash the love of God. Then you unleash the love of God. And it's the whole of what God is about. There's a great little pamphlet that we have out in the uh, foyer there, and it's around the six affirmations of our denomination. And it's this small centered set of what we believe that's centered around the person of Jesus Christ. And one of them is this. 
we believe in the whole mission of the church. I think this matters as we try and figure out how we're shaped and how we go out to be the church. We believe in the whole mission of the church. We believe that people need to experience a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe part of our responsibility is to tell that story in all the different ways in which we do life. To tell people that Jesus loves them and wants to be in relationship with them. But we also believe in the whole mission. We also believe that the justice of God is meant to move towards any place that is broken. Areas of justice that we see around us. And we hold both of those sometimes in tension. Sometimes they work together, but sometimes they sit in tension. That's the whole mission of what the church is called to be about. So how do we do it? I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to look at the little handout in our bulletin. Writer of Luke, it's the same writer. He starts the second book. He says this, In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually God. And here's what he talked about. He didn't talk about how to have the correct church governance. He didn't talk about the type of architecture a church needed. He didn't say do this genre of music, say these prayers. Here's what he talked about for 40 days before he goes away. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. He talked to them about what does it look like to bring heaven to earth. And when you bring heaven to earth, you bring the reign of God as portrayed in the person of Jesus Christ into every place in which you inhabit life. Verse 4, when he, once when he was eating with them, he commanded, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends his gift. He promised, as I told you before, John baptized with water. In a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free and restore your kingdom? They're still asking a bit of the wrong question. He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And here it is. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's reminiscent of Matthew 28. Go, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will tell people about me. You will be about the whole mission of the church in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There's a reason on the little handout we talk about in your church in your city, and in your world. When we are being the church, when we are figuring out how God has shaped us and we're living that out, I think there's always a movement that we do it faithfully where we're at first. And then there's a movement into our city, into the Jerusalem around us, the Judea, the Samaria, Samaria, and then it's to the ends of the earth. It's to the whole world around us. We're called to actually be missionaries. What if we changed our posture about sending missionaries to go and do something in a foreign country? And that matters. But what if we thought of ourselves as missionaries of Jesus Christ in all the different places that we do life and the places of pain and joy we see? So what I want to do, if you have your hand out, take it out in front of you, get something to write with. If not, iPhone, whatever it might be. And uh, 
I want to invite you into a three-step process with this. We want, to, we want to be serious about being the church. Amen? We, we think this stuff really, really matters. People wrecked by grace live out grace. Um, what I want to do is invite you to three steps. First is to reflect, to look at how you were shaped and what that looks like in your church and in your city and in your role. To reflect, then to pray, and then to actually serve. Sometimes we just need to give it a try to do something. So let's reflect first of all about in, the, in my church. There's a list of spiritual gifts there. What does it look like for you to serve, to use your gifts, to do the one anothering in this church? Your brothers and sisters at Crossview need you and vice versa. What does it look like for you to use your gifts to serve one another in the, this community? Leading a small group of teenagers, teaching Sunday school. Last Sunday I went and uh, just hung out in the nursery a little bit in the opening worship and was blown away by the people serving in there. Smiling away, loving on our kids. Maybe you're outgoing and you want to be a greeter or an usher. Maybe you are a high introvert and the coffee kitchen area just sounds like the greatest place God has ever made. That you can go and sit behind the scenes and serve. How is God calling you to serve in your church? Jump in and try something. It's not, you're not signing in blood. You get two months into leading a small group of teenagers and you're like, if you don't get me out of this, I will actually kill them. We, we will get you out of it. <laughs> try something. Jump in and try something. Serving your church. And then serving in your city, your Jerusalem. How is God wiring you to serve in your city? Sometimes it's just thinking more intentionally. The amount of parents who have kids in sports and the amount of time that we spend with other people. Maybe what would it be intentional for you to see your life as a missionary in that setting? Maybe it's areas of pain in our city. Maybe God is saying, you know what, you are shaped to care about homelessness. So go down to the Salvation Army and do whatever they ask you to do. Maybe it's one of the food shelves. Maybe it's the backpack program. Whatever it might be, what is God moving you towards? Maybe it's your neighborhood. Some of you have this pastoral, shepherding, spiritual gift that plays together with your shape, and God has wired you to be the pastor of your neighborhood, to love and point people towards the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And then last one in the world. How has God shaped you to serve in the world? For a small percentage, you will be the ones that God actually sends to go and be missionaries in the world around us. Next week, we're going to have a little interview with one of those, those uh, missionary types. But for the majority of us, it's not. For the majority of us, it's not. So what does it look like for you to care deeply about the places of brokenness and pain in the world around us? For some of you, God is calling you to run a half marathon in October to care about clean water. 
Some of you are amazing business people and you have a passion for it. Check out Opportunity International. What does it look like to do microfinancing in third world countries and give people who would not have a chance at hope a chance at hope? Sponsoring a kid, clean water issues, whatever it might be, where are places of brokenness that you see in the world around us and God is calling you to do something about it. Before I pray, let me read Mark 10. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And listen, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom. Father, I pray. God, I pray for each one in this room. Lord, for those who are coming, uh, maybe reinvestigating the whole church and God deal, wondering what you're up to. God, I pray that they would see a loving God who came and lived and died and rose again so that they could be redeemed. I pray that they would put their trust in that. And for the rest of us who, who've gone to that place but are daily, if not hourly, wrestling with that and leaning into that, God, I pray that you, that you would give us the purposeful way of living so that we can live out how you have shaped us to be. God, I pray that we would be known as a community, not just a church with the nice building and the nice band, but we would be known as the church that goes out and makes a difference in Mankato, in homes, in neighborhoods, in workplaces, in schools, in places of brokenness where justice among the least and the lost and the left behind is needed. And God, that we would have the eyes to see the world around us. Places of pain and brokenness where sometimes it's just opening our hands and perhaps opening our wallets and caring with you about those places. People redeemed by grace who are compelled to be the church in radical ways. That's what we want to do. Praise the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.